You're listening to Apollo 11 Legacies, a series of podcasts produced through a partnership with Intuitive Research and Technology Corporation and WHNT News 19. I remember walking away from it being, um, I don't know if energized is the right word, but being just so aware of, the, of whose presence I was in. WHNT News 19 anchor Greg Screws is talking about his encounter as a young news reporter with the first human being to step on the moon, astronaut Neil Armstrong. His comment came during a three-way discussion involving fellow anchors Jerry Hayes and myself, Steve Johnson. This recording was made in the studios of WHNT News 19. We began with Greg Screws elaborating on his meeting with the first man on the moon. Didn't realize how unique maybe this story was at the time, but I learned after it. Um, you know, and I'm sure if I'm wrong about this, people will correct me, but you know, he wasn't really, um, he didn't really embrace doing interviews when he got back because like you and I were talking today, if you go through years and years and years and people ask you the same questions, you probably get a little tired of it and I get that. But I was at a charity golf tournament, and it was one of these tournaments where there were a lot of SEC football coaches, and um, I remember Ray Perkins was there, Pat Dye was probably there, but a lot of big names and some celebrities, and he was there. And I was probably 23, 4, 5 years old, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was hitting golf balls probably 10 yards away. And there was someone there with a golf tournament, and I said, does he does he do interview what is I, I you know which shows you how little I knew at the time really I, I does he do anything does he do any media and he and the person with the tournament said let me go check well he had two people with him and I don't know who they were I don't remember who they were I don't know if they were <clears throat> NASA I don't remember if they were like with the government or military or what but there were these two people that came over and they said that they were with, with him. And they said, you can't ask him this, you can't ask him that, you can't ask him about the moon, don't ask him this. And they were being really <laughs> aggressive with it. So they finally go get Neil Armstrong and they bring him over. And apparently he had overheard all this. And he goes, son, you can ask me anything you want. And I'll just remember the look on these guys' faces. <laughs> so they kind of backed out of the way, and I, I had resolved myself. I was not going to go, what was it like to be on the moon? You know, I wasn't going to do that. Yeah. And uh, I asked him how his golf game was, and uh, which he said it wasn't where he wanted to be. And I remember he explained why uh, every shot is a straight shot on the moon. You don't hook it or slice it. And, uh, but then we talked about his place in history, and he could not have been nicer. You know, but it was the way it started out with yeah. these other two people about you can't ask him this and you can't ask him that and, and that kind of thing. Uh, I was really intimidated. I mean, it's just a young kid, really. And um, he could not have been nicer yeah. and more cordial. Isn't that the way it works out a lot of the time? Absolutely it is. You have people that do that. But and then when the real person gets over <laughs> there, it's, everything's fine. What, you, I mean... Was there anything that just, I mean, you, I, I got to believe you're in awe a little bit. Was there anything yeah. that just jumped out at you other than he was really nice? What, one of the things I remember asking him was, um, you can appreciate, can't you, how people react to your place in history. I thought that was a good way to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of a technique I've used when interviewing uh, other people who have incredible places in history. And I remember he said, I, I don't have it verbatim, but I remember he said something like, uh, I, I understand their reaction 
and then which he immediately turned it on to, but it wasn't just me. It yeah. was so many people, and there were so many people involved, and, and, he, and he went that way with it, that he was on the point of it, sure, but he immediately sort of evoked the memories of all the thousands yeah. of, of people that made that happen. Any interview that I ever saw him do, or any time I ever saw him speak to a group, seemed to be a very, very humble individual. He was. There, there was nothing. He was very, he was very, he had a, a serenity about him. I remember, and yeah. there was a calm, and which, uh, if you can manifest calm with what he bent through, you can probably do it through anything. And um, but yeah, he was—he seemed very calm and quiet and introverted, even and that sort of thing. I just remember walking away from it being—I um, don't know if energized is the right word, but being just so aware of the of whose presence I was in. Yeah. Well, but, that but, sort of thing. but isn't it true that, that people who, not the ones who want to be special, but people right. who really are special, take their oh. specialness for granted? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a remarkable experience and one I've told for a lot of years, but he, I just, I will never forget him going, son, you can ask me anything you want. <laughs> you know, every one of those guys, I mean, every one of the Apollo astronauts spent many hours at Marshall Space Flight Center. Mm -hmm. Because the, the idea was they need to know the systems that their lives are depending on. Sure. So they all visited, and, and we were chatting before we started here about Apollo 1, where you know three astronauts died, and, and, and Gus Grissom was quoted when he was up here, I believe, that uh, you know if something happens, don't stop. Mm -hmm. Because and I think they all I mean, this this they understood I yeah. think you know how big a deal this is. You know what's what's funny though is, is talking about those three astronauts who died on the launch pad in the fire. And Chaffee and White. Yeah, uh, I was talking to somebody not long ago, and I said, uh, I said, you know, there there are three schools in Huntsville named after mm -hmm. those three astronauts, and they said, well, one of them's got to be Grissom, and I said, yeah, but can you name the other two? And they said, no, I don't know who they were. And um, I said, well, it was Ed White and Roger Chaffee. And I'd, even though I didn't grow up in Huntsville, I was very familiar with that, keeping up with the space program. Grew up in Nashville, South Nashville, 120 miles up the road. But even after that fire, and then even after the Apollo moon landing, I mean, those were special moments in my history, even though I didn't live in Huntsville mm -hmm. and my family wasn't part of the space program. I remember uh, watching Neil Armstrong take that first step on the moon uh, and sitting there with the whole family. My dad made sure that we were all in front of the television to see that because he said, this is history and you, you're going to want to remember this. And there was so much history. Uh, growing up in the 60s with black and white television, and you remember that. Greg probably doesn't, but then <laughs> it was a big deal when we got you know, color, color television. Color came to television in 1964, Jerry. Yeah. Our houses were color. <laughs> you know, the, the Kennedy assassination and, and then the, the yeah. moon landing and, and seeing Hank Aaron hit number 715, you know, to break Babe Ruth's record. Those were moments that television oh, people yeah. just flocked to the TV to see those moments. And, and the moon landing was one of those. Um, even after the, the fire, uh, we still had a Apollo connection in South 
Huntsville or South Nashville where I grew up because I, we were getting ready in 1968 to open a new middle school. Mm-hmm. And guess what they named it? Apollo Junior High. Oh, wow. And I remember when they opened, there was an astronaut that actually came to the school, and I can't remember his name, saved my life, but uh, he was there for the grand opening. And they brought in some, some models and things of rockets, and they were on display at the, the middle school. Um, and we were the first class to go through that, that first year. But we were the uh, Apollo Astros, which was short for astronauts. So the astronaut was, a, was our mascot. Um, so he was, st- and it's still there on Richards Road and near Antioch, and um, so it, you know we we had a connection even even back then. That was WHNT News 19 anchor Jerry Hayes. You're listening to a discussion involving Jerry, anchor Greg Screws, and myself, Steve Johnson. We return now to our conversation with myself, Steve Johnson, Greg Screws, and Jerry Hayes, who will be speaking first. Jerry is talking about encounters with Apollo-related people during his many years at WHNT News 19. I can't remember a lot of the conversations, but it was always interesting when the station was still on the mountain, we'd run into Dr. Ernst Stuhlinger, who lived right behind Mm -hmm. what was our newsroom at the time up there. And he would be out walking, and, and we would talk to him. And if we ever needed an interview, he was always available because he was right next door. But it was just, you know, so many of those stories that those guys shared about the work. You know, living and growing up in Nashville, I didn't have any idea that Huntsville had such a role that it had in the space program until I kind of moved here and started meeting some of these people and talking to people like Ed Buckby, who started the U.S. Space and Rocket Center, and, uh, and, and going out and interviewing these guys. Uh, you know, you probably had more exposure to, to anybody than anybody here. Well, I, got to, I interviewed uh, Dr. Stuhlinger several times, and he was always... Uh is now he is the gentlest man, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. I said that to Heidi Collier, whose daddy was Fritz Weber uh, Weber, when they moved here. He was one of the original German rocket scientists, and she's kind of the keeper of the legacy for the German families. And I said he was the gentlest man I think I ever talked to, and she said exactly. She said I, she felt the same way, but he was so nice and. and I, a story about him that, that that just resounds with me is and much later, uh, when he was approaching 90, we ran into him in the parking lot at Marshall, and uh, he was out there to consult. I mean, sharp, and, and we asked him about going to Mars, and he started laughing and said, you know, 50 years from now, hope he's wrong about that. <laughs> but 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 uh, these he was he was so smart, and uh, several years ago. Uh, Greg Stone and I did a documentary on Von Braun for his centennial. And uh, there was video of, of the German rocket scientist at White Sands Proving Ground, which is what it was called then. You know, they're working, there's young guys out there in their shorts with no shirts on out in the desert working, and they were all laughing and smiling. And there's something about that that I just found so cool. They were yeah. looking to look at these people when they were in the prime of their mm-hmm. life before they even got here. Yeah and started doing all the things they did. This is a, um, 
not directly related to what we started with two things that come to mind is one i remember being on the mountain and realizing what house uh von brown's house was and i remember at the time i was training for a marathon and was running up in that loop and i just remember stopping and looking at that house for so long i ended up standing there for so long and every time i would run that loop i would stop and look at that house because you just think what conversations took in that house but you talk about stories that people that worked on the program i think i don't know about if i have a story but the one thing that i have always come away with and homer hickam touched on this when he talked to you a couple of weeks ago is how all-consuming this was oh yeah how all-consuming mm -hmm. it was for so long and you know the toll it took on them and took on families and that sort of thing i don't think I don't, I don't know that people have still understand how all-consuming it was but you, for the people involved in that program. You talk to those guys, and, I, and I'm always asking about this because I've heard it so many times, is uh, Alex McCool, one of the veterans out there, said, mm -hmm. we could not wait to go to work. Yeah. They would work, start early, work late, and the next morning they wanted to go again, and, and, and they worked a lot of Saturdays. But he said, we're talking about eight years. Yeah. Eight years of uh, I could they could not wait to go to work. He said, but 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 on the other hand, uh, Margaret von Braun said that when her that they went on vacations, it wasn't like they didn't have time away. She said, I said, well, did your dad? And she said, yeah. He, and he not only that, but one interesting thing about von Braun, and there's so many interesting things about him, is that he liked to take his kids on individual vacations. Wow. So he would like to do things with just one child. Oh, wow. And, and, and he would go on vacations. But she said when he got home, his wife, Maria, would say, ask, ask him to take the garbage out. <laughs> she, said, she said when he was home, he was, he was dad. But... You know, he was out there. I mean, I, I, I personally like talking about Von Brown because I'm not sure I've ever heard of anybody as incredible as he was. I, I mentioned uh, Alex McCool, and he said that more than once he flew from Huntsville out to the Jet Propulsion Laboratory because they were in, involved in a lot of things. And he said he would, one time he talked about classical music for the entire way out there. Another time he talked about human anatomy the whole way, way back. back. And, and it's like, these guys, written, Von Brown wrote some classical music. He could play, I believe, I'm, I may be getting this wrong, but I think he played the cello. Mm -hmm. But these guys were, as him especially, a renaissance man. Yeah. I, I don't know. And you think, when, when you think about the work that they did and what they were involved in, they probably didn't have a lot of time for hobbies. You know, especially yeah. from the very beginning all the way through the Apollo program. I don't know. I mean, Von Braun was a, a private pilot, and Sonny Morea, who, who, who worked both with the Army and uh, NASA on the Apollo Project, said that he was a private pilot, and, and Von Braun was a private pilot, and they ran into each other in the Birmingham airport, and, and he said he was an underling. Mm -hmm. And he said Ron Brown brought his whole family over to introduce him to Sonny. Wow. That was the one thing. I mean, you, you talk to guys, and this is another thing I've heard more than once. He would meet you and say, Greg, you know, how are things? And you'd say, well, you know, um, you might tell him if you had children or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, tell him about your personal life. And, uh, you know, in, in a two-minute conversation. So you don't see him for another year because he just ran into you in the hall. Yeah. A year later, he'd say, 
Did your son graduate from college? You said yeah. he was going to major in so-and-so. Did he major in that? Wow. And he would remember, remember stuff. Yeah. And, I, and Margaret Von Brown said that, I said, how do you do that? And Because I, I know yeah, I don't I, do it. I, I can't. But she said he was interested in people and he listened. And most people, we don't, I don't listen like right. I should. But I don't know. I just think, uh, I mean, it, this, the Apollo Apollo program appears to me to be the right people coming together with the right leader at the right time. Yeah. And, uh, it was an exciting time yeah. in, the, in, our, in our nation's history, um, you know, and of course then we moved on to the, to the shuttle program, which was just as exciting, but I, I, I don't know that there will ever be anything as exciting as that first moon landing. Well, no, because it was, we were on a mission. I mean, it, that, yeah. we were on a mission. It was like There's an urgency. A, we, we, were, yeah. we, were, uh, we were in the Cold War. Yep. We had had a president make a promise. He was assassinated, so there was part of it was, I think, yeah. fulfilling a promise. Had to get it done before the end of the decade. After, but it was also a promise to the guy who, who put us on the path. Uh, and, and I think that's why those guys couldn't wait to go to work, because they felt like yeah. they, were, they were doing something. And remember, we were fighting the Cold War. This was, this was more than we want to get to space, but we were also in a battle with the Russian slash Soviet Union. And I think that's, yeah. that's a part of it that doesn't um, get brought up enough now as far as the, the dynamic that they were working under because no one wanted to wake up one morning and, and us not be there first. So that was another, mm -hmm. there was much urgency. Yeah, well, we, we were, and we were, we were behind the Soviets. Mm -hmm. We were behind them every, I mean, when we sent Shepard, they'd already orbited, yeah. you know, I mean, everything. But, but when we said we were going to the moon, and I think they had a, they had, they said, we're going to the moon too, but they couldn't, couldn't make it happen. Yeah. So, uh, Incredible. And still have it. No, but I understand they have plans to do so. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's another story. But I don't know. I think, I think we, it was a special time. And, and I, I'm, you mentioned the shuttle program. I don't think we've ever duplicated the national drive. But, you know, sad to say, after Apollo 11, by the time we do well, Apollo 13, if you watch the movie, that, that's kind of one of the themes is yeah. that, that people aren't as excited about it because it's like, oh, we've been to the moon. But, I mean, think about that. We, you know, going, to me, every time you do it, it's special. And, and yeah, me too. And, and the, the thing that you touch on there is a great point for now because the, uh, the national attention span is even shorter now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's even shorter now. Um, so I, I, when they go back, when we go back, I hope we embrace it the way it needs to be embraced. You know, I'm not sure. I seem to, I, I feel like I'm not sure about anything anywhere anymore. <laughs> so it's hard to speculate on what, what the reaction well, yeah. would be. Well, when you think about history, most people can tell you the first two men to walk on the moon, but can you name the other 10? I couldn't yeah. if somebody asked me. Uh, I could probably throw out a few names and I might be right with a couple of them. But I mean, everybody is always gonna remember Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. You know, and, and, and Michael Collins, Michael Collins who was in the who was, who was orbiting in yeah, the command orbiting, module, you know. waiting for him to, re, to return yeah. to the command module to come home. Uh, yeah, and his, even though he didn't walk on the moon, uh, his role was just as important. Yeah. Yeah, I, but it's, it, was a, it, was, it was a spectacular time, and it's, uh, it's, it's on, on one hand, it's hard to believe it's been 50 years. And I mean, there's some sadness with that because it's like, well, yes, we had the space shuttle, but I don't think we've ever duplicated what we did 50 years ago. Yeah. You know. There was, there was a consensus in a keeping the mission on point 
um, aspect to that, that again, just to use the phrase again, I hope we can reproduce that. That was Greg Screws talking. We'll have more of our conversation among WHNT News 19 anchors, Greg Screws, Jerry Hayes, and myself, Steve Johnson. That's going to happen in just a moment. More now from a conversation on space among three veteran WHNT News 19 reporters and anchors, Jerry Hayes, Greg Screws, and myself, Steve Johnson. After the moon program, they, they cut jobs, and that was when Huntsville, they, it, it was got fairly serious with the mm-hmm. number of people that, were there, that mm-hmm. lost their engineering jobs. And, and that's when the city began the drive to try to diversify the economy some. And then, you know, the shuttle, the shuttle program reinvigorated things, but never, never to the levels of the moon prop program. But, but if you look at Huntsville, from the 60, in 1960, the population, and I may get these numbers wrong a little bit, the population of Huntsville was like 79,000. In 1970, it was 139,000. And I, I believe that's about a 92% increase. Mm-hmm. If you look at a picture of uh, what was Parkway City Mall, Parkway City Shopping Center back in 1961 when it opened, you see a parking lot and a shopping center, a strip center, and nothing else. Way off in the distance, you see Huntsville High School. Yeah. You see Drake Avenue, which appears to be a dirt road. Yeah. And that was, that was 61, and by 62, I mean by 70, it was a whole different, it was a whole different thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, there yeah. were, you know, parts of uh, Parkway City had been rebuilt. I mean, it was the boom was on, which had the unfortunate starting in the 60s was a kind of doing away with the city's downtown, which mm-hmm. is only just now, just now come back. But uh, in the 60s, 1964 is when schools were uh, integrated in Huntsville, and that was essentially the integration of schools in the state of Alabama. And so, you know, there was that, and there was the Vietnam War, and Homer Hickam says the moon, the moon program, uh, was the shining star of the 60s, but he said otherwise it was a, a decade of turmoil and, and complications, True. and he wouldn't want to live it again. Now, I was growing up in the 60s, so my memories of it, I mean, I remember all these things, but I don't remember it like that. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's a, a teeny bit older than a little we bit. Are. Well, I mean, I think you can make an argument that if none of this happens here, we don't have the second biggest research park in the country. Oh, no, you're and right. We don't no, have we don't have what is what is the the stat they throw out? We have more PhDs per capita than anywhere in mm-hmm. in the country. You know, none of I don't think Dees Research and Raytheon and all these other people well, are out there. Well, we were lucky in that well, even while Marshall was cutting back, the army. See, that's another thing. You know, all this need, needs to be remembered that the initial work by the German rocket team <clears> and the American <throat> engineers was done between fifty and sixty for the army. Like when we answered right. the Soviets, the, the Sputnik, we did that, the army did that. So when, when NASA was having its problems, when Marshall Space Flight Center was suffering cutbacks, the army was still plugging along. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kept us going, I mm-hmm. think. And, and, my, and Marshall we, you know, came back with the shuttle program. Yeah. And it, so we've, we've never lost it. But I think now with Marshall and SLS and, and the army, with all the many things that are done at, at Redstone Arsenal, we're in, we're in good shape. Yeah, and, 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 you know, we've seen that growth continue over the years, especially with 
AMCOM and so many different uh, defense contractors mm-hmm. moving into the area and working. Um, you know, it's an exciting time to be in to be in Huntsville, and you know, I mean, here we are, right on the knocking on the door, becoming the largest city in the state of Alabama. Who would have ever thought that 50 years ago that uh, Huntsville would would be right. surpassing Mobile, Birmingham, Montgomery on its way to become the largest city in the state of Alabama? Yeah, uh, and and that's all due to the space program and and what we did here with the rocket team and, and the work that was done here for all of the rocket programs and getting uh, involved in the shuttle program, being propulsion for that, and now with the SLS still in charge of propulsion for that. I mean, uh, you know, we're on, we're on a path for projected growth that, that's gonna even well, of course, be you, bigger. You know, bl- that other companies are moving here that do, do rockets, you know, because the commercial, yeah. Commercial space flight is 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 kind of coming on, and and uh, so that will help. And of course, diversification has helped too because we have Toyota, and we're about to have Toyota Mazda, yeah. so or Mazda Toyota. So I mean, it's a uh, it's all kind of a of, of just the, an exponential growth, and and you know, without without uh, without a man named Holger Toftoy, and and a lot of people don't know who he is, crawling around on a map to show where Redstone Arsenal was to the, and I can't remember the guy's name, but I believe he was the Assistant Army Chief of Staff, to show him where Redstone Arsenal was and that that was a good place to put the Army Missile Program because why? Because uh, uh, Fort Bliss didn't have room. Yeah. Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas, and Toftoy, who he, he did that and they ended up moving here. Holger Toftoy, who was also, as a colonel, was the guy in Germany who kind of became a head of Operation Paperclip, which brought the German rocket team to America. Mm-hmm. Now, the Germans didn't do it by themselves, and, and uh, you know, it was a big team. They were the ones with the experience, but you talk to any of the engineers who worked out there, they said, best folks they ever met. Yeah. You know, to work with, and... and uh, and, and train, they train the Americans, and, and so the Americans moved into leadership programs, but the, but the German right, but that, it all really got started with the Army moving them to Redstone Arsenal in 1950. This has been fun. I did, I've learned things that I didn't know just from listening to the two of you guys. Well, we, we know that. So I feel Greg educated Cruz now. Interviewed Neil Armstrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a, a scared col- right out of college kid. The only time I ever saw Neil Armstrong was when he came to the space and U.S. Space and Rocket Center several years ago for an event, and he was not doing any media at that time. But I remember standing there and watching him walk down up under the Saturn V there in the Davidson Center with people on both sides, and I remember taking my cell phone and taking a picture as he walked down, and I was just in awe. I thought, oh my gosh, that's Neil Armstrong. You know, that was the first man to ever walk on the moon. And I thought, what an honor it would have been to have been able to interview him. Yeah. But he wasn't, he wasn't doing interviews while he was here. Well, and one thing, you know, I was talking about this uh, this morning with someone, is that if you're Neil Armstrong and you've gone through what you had to go through to get there. And then you had that experience. Um, and then you come back for that reaction. 
you know, there's only a small group, you know, there's only the, the, the club of people who stepped on the moon the first time is a, that club has one person in it. And to, to stand on the moon with the ramifications of that and where, you, you know, where you lift it off from, um, I, I just think it's reasonable. I mean, the soul searching that must come with that, the thought that must come with that, what that does to you as a person, what that does to your soul, what that does to you. Um, I mean, I, I think he's a great mystery that I would love to know. I think there's somebody who needs to do, maybe Steve needs to do the book or something. I don't that know. That's already but, a book. I mean, another, another one, uh, you know. Uh, well, and that an, book is good. I've read that. A, it's a, that is the authorized biography. But you know, yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not articulating this very well. It's just what he's been through I, I would just love to have heard more from him yeah. because yeah. no one else has gone through what he went through. Yeah. Well, all the astronauts, I mean, and there are, several, there are some that live here in Huntsville and you talk to them and uh, it, it is always interesting to me, you know, Jan Davis will talk about the one thing she came back with. Was a, an appreciation of just how fragile our planet is, and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. many of them, you know, talk about that. Now I don't know that the Apollo astronauts did because there's they were coming at it from a different direction, I think, than, than yeah. you know being a shuttle astronaut. And especially when you start, when you know, you later in life, when I became aware of the history of things, and you realize how much, how close they came to this not going really disaster you know as far as the fuel when he landed and how much he had to get off and how close it was and oh there's a there's a story there's that, that sort of th stuff yeah. and it's just it makes my chest hurt now even thinking well, about it there's a story that that, uh, that has recently come come out that when they were when they were coming you know coming into the earth that they jettisoned the uh, lunar module and it almost ran into them mm. you know i think i think it's something like that they they like multiple times they could have had disaster and uh but think about that. Apollo six had all kinds of problems. Apollo eight, where they circled the moon, mm -hmm. uh, didn't. But Apollo eleven was, you know, and Apollo eight. And by, by the way, Apollo eight was a huge deal. That's the one that made them know, yeah, we can do this. Mm -hmm. But uh, but we could talk about this for the rest of uh, we could for the week. This yeah. is fun, absolutely. You've been listening to a free-ranging conversation among WHNT News 19 veteran reporters and anchors Greg Screws, Jerry Hayes, and Steve Johnson. It was recorded in the studios of WHNT News 19. We invite you to listen to our other podcast connected to the celebration of the Apollo 11 moon mission. Just go to the Apollo 11 tab at the top of our website, whnt.com, where you'll also find other interesting items on North Alabama's continuing contribution to America's manned spaceflight history. Apollo 11 Legacies is produced in partnership with Intuitive Research and Technology. Content made possible with the U.S. Space and Rocket Center's Legacy Panel Lecture Series. Music provided by Megatracks.